Welcome back, everyone, to GGC Insights, Navigating Sustainability. I'm your host, Christina Lee, and today we are joined by a truly exceptional guest, an expert in the field of sustainable finance and education, Dr. John Vaughn. Dr. John Vaughn brings over two decades of invaluable knowledge and hands-on experience in the realm of sustainable finance. He is not just an expert, he is a visionary leading the charge towards a greener and more sustainable world. Dr. Vong, it's an absolute honor to have you here today. Thank you for joining on GGC Insights. Welcome. Thank you, Christina. It's uh, an honor and a pleasure for me to be sharing at this podcast. And thank you for all the kind words. You're very welcome. Can I kickstart with... Um, questions is your experience is very interesting um can you share with us uh, your pivotal moment from your early career that shaped your passion for sustainable finance and sustainability education my early career started as uh, working in the bank and uh, uh, working in the bank not just in one country specifically but in several countries and that sort of gave me a more broader view about banking and in different uh, departments of the bank as well. And uh, that itself was an early career start. And then later on, what happened was I left banking and moved into something noble, a profession, which they call international development and uh, engage in international affairs. And that's where it got me kick-started. And of course, I joined the UN uh, movement, the United Nations in the development program. And uh, that's where it all started. That is about maybe 20 years ago. Wow. So you have advised central banks, government and financial regulators. Um, Can you tell us about a specific project or initiatives that you found particularly challenging but rewarding? The, there are many projects that have been involved that are very challenging and in different aspects. Uh, in some cases, it is an economy that is just coming out of a financial crisis. And that itself as one of the consultants to help to rebuild the financial system and to make it work. That needs a lot of uh, activities involved in recovery. The recovery process, the rehabilitation process of a financial system is indeed challenging. Another one I can think of is a country in conflict that just come out from the ashes of war and to rebuild a financial system in a country of that nature, uh, again, recovers uh, needs a long time to recover. And another project that I can think of that is very exciting and challenging is, uh, is not a war-torn country. It has no financial crisis, but however, they're expecting a financial crisis, and therefore they needed help in strengthening the system. And what I mean by that is having a early warning system. When do you know the next crisis is going to strike? Wow. I hope we have the crystal ball (laughs) like you do. Um, As a former 
senior consultant to the World Bank Group, um, Asian Development Bank, and United Nations Development Program. Can you describe a project where you witnessed a significant positive impact on sustainability and development? Definitely. There are many examples of that where there is positive change in there. Um, one is that of a country, there's a carbon credit exporter. Carbon ex credit exporter. Now, how do you get a country to export carbon credits, all right? And therefore, you have to map out what industry they must have to maintain their low carbon environment, to maintain a low carbon economy. How do you plan that forward, number one? Number two, you have to train the country, the entire system, especially the government, as well as the private sector, that uh, to sort of ensure that whatever processes they're doing, it gets to maintain the carbon credit status that they have. It means even going to the stage of defining how many factories you need to have, how many roads you need to build, how many forests you need to maintain. Mm -hmm. So very detailed work. And you have a roadmap for what is called climate resilience mm -hmm. to ensure that uh, they are immune or at least they're able to protect themselves for the next tropical storm that might hit them. Mm. Well, I think it's truly meaningful with... Uh... Uh, all those organizations that you work with and particularly in the emerging market. Um, so with your experience in finance as well as uh, education, where do you see the um, financial institutes can get involved? Because, you know, obviously when you work for ADB or UN, their agenda are quite different uh, from the typical financial institutes. So how would you describe the opportunities lay ahead for the sustainable finance? There are many financial institutions there that like to do uh, and support the financial uh, aspects of any green circle economy and low carbon economy through financing activities. You can start with commercial banks, and the commercial banks nowadays have a green portfolio. A green portfolio. In other words, they will do lending to low carbon uh, producers, low carbon producing customers, and also customers who have got green projects. So commercial banks do that. And on top of the commercial banks, then you have the likes of the MDIs, which is the multilateral development banks, the multilateral development institutions. And they will lend into countries where they have projects that are green, such as starting a green city, such as building a green highway, uh, how to have a low carbon uh, construction method, 
All those are from the MDI's multilateral development institutions. They would like to move the sustainable finance into activities that will improve the green economy, that will enlarge the circular economy, and to, of course, leading towards a low carbon economy, which nowadays they call it net zero, the net zero economy. There are many organizations involved, and um, what you've heard me say so far is banks. But not only banks, there are also asset management companies, like, for example, BlackRock. Now, BlackRock, they have an investment portfolio as well that is ESG-linked, which, in other words, uh, it is environmental social governance to ensure companies that they invest in are compliant with the international standards for environmental management, social, as well as governance. Now, after saying about asset management, the next kind of institutions that are involved in the whole sustainable finance ecosystem is our insurance companies. The insurance companies will, of course, want to invest projects that are green. They want to invest in electric vehicles. Okay, so even if you buy an electric vehicle, you have to buy insurance policies. Maybe in time to come, they might have a special discount for insurance policies if you've got an electric vehicle. Wow. That's, uh, you know, it, that seems like there are a lot of opportunities, you know, in sustainable finance. But I think for conventional bankers, um, I think it's just no... Um, short of reasons to explain to them the why. But I guess the biggest challenge is the how. How can, you know, a conventional bankers, be it in investment bank or even private bank, to pivot into sustainable finance? I mean, of course, um, we hope and we all believe that maybe five to 10 years down the road, we don't talk about sustainable finance. All finance will have sustainability component in it. But while during this transition period, how would be best for the uh, bankers to pivot into this space? What is your advice? My advice is that, first of all, I want to start at the top-down approach. Everything must start with regulators and regulations. So the question is that does the national regulators, financial regulators, such as the World Bank, uh, uh, from the international perspective, from the local is the central bank authorities, from the auditor general, and from the stock exchange. So all those institutions are important in designing and defining the regulations that's involved to ensure a low carbon environment. Of course, there's a stick and carrot method. The, the, the stick is if you do not comply, we will remove something from you. That is the stick method, the punishment method or the sanctions. And you have the carrot there's if you comply, there is a reward coming for you. So the whole thing to shift and to move this needle is that you must have an enabling environment of a sanction and a reward system within every country. 
at the international level, already there's a push towards it. But of course, the uh, at the national level, each country must care for its own environment. Further than that, besides the stick and the carrot, is that of, let's say, already a regulation is there. How do you make an organization move towards that regulation to comply with? And there, you need something called awareness. There needs to be training programs. There needs to capacity building programs. First of all, to create that awareness, the sustainability is important. It's an existential threat to the world, to the organization. So create the awareness. After creating the awareness, then we have to create acceptance. Accept that, hey, I'm aware of the dangers now. Now, how do we say that we accept is our responsibility to take part in this, to move the needle, to be more sustainable, to have a low carbon economy? So awareness, acceptance. Third step is adoption. How do you adopt it? So the systems within an organization must change to adopt sustainability as a principle, just like as a, for a bank. Anti-money laundering is a big thing. It is, again, an awareness, adoption, and to create that acceptance here yeah, that we need to comply with this anti-money laundering. So now you have sustainability, which is another kind of regulation that must take place. So therefore, awareness, acceptance, adoption, and then you can create the change. Fantastic. I think this change is necessary. And even we talk about the trend of sustainable finance, it is truly irreversible. So speaking of trend, what do you see that that will be the upcoming trend for sustainable finance? In sustainable finance, I can see a major push among the coming from the accounting profession because the accounting profession now is calling for sustainability reporting. And this is in compliance with the stock exchange regulations that says that every public listed company must have a section on sustainability reporting in their annual report. So that is the first thing that will drive it towards moving the trend. So sustainability reporting, the big four accounting firms are into it. And there's an international regulation right now is voluntary, but very soon might become mandatory. And this is called the ISSB, which is the International Sustainability Standards Board. So everybody is moving towards this now. So it's from the reporting side that will come. And once the reporting side comes, then everybody will be forced to adopt it, especially if you're a listed company. But what happens if you're not listed? If you're not listed, where you'll be engaged in the ecosystem and you're forced to adopt the sustainability principle in your operations is when you start to supply your goods and services, and especially the goods. If you're producing your goods with a high carbon emission content, nobody 
may want to buy from you. Because when they buy from you, that means they're absorbing your carbon, your carbon emissions. And they will make them become carbon deficit. That in other words, the buyer of your product, which is a carbon emission, they when they buy your product, they buy over your carbon. Yeah, and therefore they become carbon uh, 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 as a debit, as a defi deficit in there. And that's where they will have a problem next time. So you, even though if you're not a public listed company, if you're supplying a product to somebody who is compliant to the carbon and the ESG, they will try to buy from an organization, from an SME that has a low carbon content. So if you are a producer, even your SME, you don't have sustainability reporting, you've got to bear in mind, whoever you're going to sell to, they're going to look at you. Wow. I think sustainable finance is not only applicable for a, uh, a financial professional. It sounds like this is also something we need to learn uh, from all aspects, even if you are running a business as a business owner or you work for a big or small company. So education is everything, right? So now we're trying to change and we know that we hear, often hear about changing mindset, you know, and it's not easy at, you know, we are talking to professional adults. You are also an educator. You are also teaching. So what do you think universities or even down to primary school or secondary school need to do? Um, I hear from a lot of educators saying that the current education system we are adopting has over 100 years old. And there are change and I would say evolvement over times, but maybe not enough in this fast changing world. How would you suggest our education system to uh, upgrade or integrate sustainability? Okay. At the education level, in schools or universities, really to start any change like that, the top level must understand. In other words, you've got to train the teachers first to teach sustainability. If the teachers are not trained to teach sustainability, they can't teach the students. So they must acquire the knowledge. To get the teachers to acquire the knowledge, the principal of the school must know sustainability, must believe in the sustainability. So it all starts from training at the top. I'm not even at the students. It's to train people at the top. For an organization, you start training the board of directors, actually. You don't train only the managers. You train, you don't only train the CEOs, you must train the chairman of the board or the independent directors. For a school, you start to train the board or the council of the school, or the council members of the university, or the senate of the university. Start from there. After the senate the chancellor, the vice chancellor has agreed to change, have a decarbonization strategy within the school, college, academy, or university. Then you go down, drill down to the teachers, the lecturers, the professors must be trained, even though a basic understanding they must have. And then among the professors, you need 
some professors that are able to design courses, design curriculum, and can teach the curriculum on sustainability. Now, you may say that, oh, we don't have a bachelor's in sustainability, so we don't need this. Wrong. You may have master's of science curriculum, bachelor's of business, you can have bachelor's of environment, bachelor's of engineering, you can have all these, even bachelor's of medicine. Okay, you can have them a course of sustainability within the entire set of curriculum that they have to undergo. So, in some enlightened universities, we have courses that it may be called sustainability and the green economy. And that course is taught across the university to any major, whether you're graduating to be a doctor, an engineer, a scientist, a businessman, you go through a course which is called sustainability and the green economy. So that's the way to do it. Do not think linear. You have to think outside the box, which is an old fashioned word. But I will say that can we think curvy linear? <laughs> not just linear, curvy linear, a linear in a curve. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think uh, our audience uh, would have learned about the future of sustainable finance, the current challenge and opportunities, as well as um, the education going forward. Um, that brings us to the end of another episode of GGC Insights, Navigating Sustainability. A big thank you to Dr. John Vaughn for sharing your wisdom and insight with us today. Join our community on social media. We are on LinkedIn, or you can visit our website, globalgreenconnect.com, where we will continue the conversation on all things sustainability. We would love to hear your thoughts, questions, and suggestions for our future topic and speakers. Uh, this is Christina signing off from GGC Insights, Navigating Sustainability. Take care, stay green, and until next time, I wish we all will learn together on this sustainability journey. Thank, Thank you, you, Christina. Thank you, Dr. Bye. John Bong.